Hey, everybody. Thank you for downloading episode 197 of We Got This with Mark and Hal. Yes, the pre-rolls are back for those of you who missed them. It is the holidays, and for December, we are doing a different work juice player every week. That is our gift to you and to ourselves because they're so awesome. We love our work juice family and having them on. And hey, if you have family or friends in your life who are people of the world and you need the perfect gift for them, you can get them the new official We Got This t-shirt. On the front, it says podcasts should have a t-shirt. On the back, it says podcasts should not have a t-shirt. Will the argument ever end? Yes, it will because you'll have the shirt after buying it and putting it on your back or the back of the friend or family that you love. Just go to MaximumFun.org, click the store link at the top, and you will find it there in all of its glory, along with our poster. We still got that poster for sale. So many We Got This merch items, too, exactly. That's a lot to me. I I didn't ever think we'd have any when we started this out, and now we have two. Who knows where it could go? Three? Don't get me started. Anyway, please enjoy this special episode of We Got This with Mark and Al. Hello, I'm Hal Lublin. And I'm Mark Gagliardi. Since the dawn of humanity, one issue has gone unsettled. With the fate of the world in the balance, we're here to settle once and for all. Best TV sketch show. That's right. Don't worry, everyone. We got this. Podcast should have a theme song. Podcast should not have a theme song. Yes, they should. No, they shouldn't. They sound good. Yeah, but people are just going to skip past it. Hmm. You know what? You're right. We got this. Live from your recording. <laughs> That's so bad. I didn't even know. You know what's funny? You know I was going to do the exact same Why bit. Did I, do that? <laughs> I was just going to do the exact same bit, Why but you I beat me to it. I sounded like no one who was ever a cast member. I certainly didn't sound like Don Pardo or or Daryl uh, uh, Hammond. Yeah, you sounded like uh, you <laughs> sounded like doing? Kitchen Sketch Hal. That's how you would be listed uh, in the in the Thrilling Adventure Hour scripts. Spooky Hal, Narrator Hal, Kitchen Sketch Hal. We're in my kitchen, by the way, everybody. Hello. Uh, Welcome to Word Juice December. Are you okay? <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I, I'm, who knows? Yes. Craig Kukowski's here. Hi, Craig. Craig Kukowski. <laughs> oh, oh, he's doing the faces. I've always loved the, oh, wait, a camera just interrupted me. Uh, hi there. We've all thought of what our SNL credits face would be, oh, right? Yeah. Or what, what we'd be, be doing. What would you be doing in yours? Uh, I think, I mean, and I, I know that cast members have done this. I think I'd be getting a slice standing up on the street. Oh, yeah. nice. Sure. They've done that, right? Yeah. A guy, yeah. a guy getting a slice. Yeah. On the corner of 14th and <laughs> Lex. Sure, I don't know. Fourteenth yeah. and Lex. Fourteenth and Lex. What, what would yours be? Uh, mine would be sitting out uh, at six in the morning waiting for rush tickets for a Broadway show. <laughs> <laughs> and not looking happy at all about it. Everyone else is at nighttime doing cool things. Mine would be early or like dawn. Just like, what? I've been here since three. I really want to see Dear Evan Hansen. <laughs> and I'd be waiting for rush tickets for their 2112 tour. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, brainy music. Brainy yeah. music. Brainy music. <laughs> Prog rock. I think we all do a pretty good part of. Yeah. <laughs> so why didn't you do it at the beginning, Hal? I don't know. I don't know where I went. <laughs> I don't know who ever. Nobody ever did that. <laughs> Nobody has ever said it. Maybe it's in case I ever get to do it. That that'll be my life from New York. I didn't, can't even do it again. No. I can't. You'll never duplicate the lameness of that voice. You're, you're too good. <laughs> you can't even be picked up by the mics. It um, just sounds like dead air. Hey, Hal, let me ask you a question. Yeah. Why did you do that bit at the top of this show? Because we're doing the best TV sketch show. This is suggested by uh, Al... I, all right. I, this is bad. I, we know Alex, mm-hmm. and I'm going to mess up his name. I think it's Alex Beese? Beasy. Our friend Beese. Beasy. I do the, now I'm doing this. Easy, oh, we're going to... Now we sound Trevor like jerks. <laughs> yeah. Easy Beasy. We've known Alex for several years. Uh, he is a he is a writer and uh, yeah at the uh, at the uh, uh, at the Asbury Park Press. Mm-hmm. He also co-hosts the Fan Theory podcast, which we have been on, which we've all been on. Yes, yeah. Have you done it yet? What is it? <laughs> <laughs> I know he's interviewed me for the Asbury Park Press. Yes, mm-hmm. he also does a podcast called a Fan Theory. No. Oh, you'll do it. It's great. One thing I love about Alex is uh, every time there is uh, I see him at an event in New York. Uh, I know that I'm at a cool thing yeah. because he has great taste in shows. So I will go to a show and I'll be like, oh, Alex is here. Uh, awesome. Not saying that like the guy that suggested this has great taste in shows. <laughs> I'm speaking more like concerts and sure. shows out and about. Yeah. Yeah. Also a runner. See, I just want to prove that I know things about Alex. Even if I'm mispronouncing, he's a runner. He lost a bunch of weight as a runner, does marathons. Good on you. Okay, you know the guy well, yeah, but just not the pronunciation of his last yeah. name. Oh, We're really Z? leaning in. <laughs> I think Jer- Beezy sounds more like a yeah. Jersey last name, hey, yeah. right? We're assuming it's an Italian last yeah. name. Sure. Yeah. It seems Italian. All right. But this is a great question, yeah. and this is a great guest to have here for this question, Craig Kukowski. Hi, guys. Um, hi. hi. Tell us about your uh, – your as a fan of sketch shows, tell us about your uh, journey. Well, my journey begins uh, – <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I grew up during the 70s, mm-hmm. uh, which was kind of a renaissance of sketch comedy, I think, you know, of Monty Python and then SNL and SCTV. I think right. those are kind of like the three pillars. If, uh, but then, and this is a good question for today. Are we considering the Muppet show a sketch comedy show? I, I always think of it more as a variety show. I do too. Yeah. I mean, this is an important distinction. Yeah. Like when you had your, uh, sitcoms of the nineties and is the Simpsons a sitcom? Right. 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 So yes, I, I yes. think, are we, are we considering the Muppet show? In which case it would mm. be a strong contender, but I would definitely put that in, uh, and, and Steve Martin, uh, all of the biggest influences on me, on, on young yeah. Craig. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, uh, and my buddy Toby and I, uh, were doing improv before I knew it was a thing. Like we would just like roll, uh, the, <laughs> the tape, the cassette recorder yeah, and amazing. do bits with each other. Uh, we were early adapters to, uh, to video. So mm-hmm. we had a video camera, I think in 1981 and just shot a was bunch it, of. Was uh, it, the one with the backpack with the VCR or was it the one where you put the camera, where you put the VHS tape right in the camera? Uh, this is before, yeah, you had to carry around the VCR separately. Yeah. <laughs> and then there was also a battery. So it's like huge, you know, like local news style video camera. Yeah. 
holding a VCR and a battery pack at the same time. So it was a little unwieldy. Yeah. And, and there was also no editing. We, like, we didn't know how to sure. edit. So, sure. you know, we, we're not cutting together yeah. anything. Nobody has two VCRs to do it <laughs> yeah. with at this point. That's right. $3,000. Yeah, you weren't the Rockefeller family. <laughs> But I think the bits that I was doing were very influenced by I, early SNL. I remember, and actually my era of SNL, if, if you say like when you really fall for it is usually when you're around like 13 to 15, mm-hmm. uh, would be a couple of, uh, dark eras in the, uh, show's history, which would be like the Piscopo and oh, Eddie, yeah, Murphy the Eddie Murphy years, uh, when Lauren left the show for a while. Yeah. And then that one season they brought in ringers like Christopher Guest and Martin Short and Billy Crystal. Yeah. But yes. I was 15, you know, <laughs> like that. So that in a way is like my optimum SNL cast. Your optimum SNL cast was already an all-star cast. Yeah. Yeah. Those years when Lauren was gone. Yeah. And then he came back, I think in 85. And that's when you're like, the- I don't care for this. No, I, I, I like that era too, but that's when, uh, Hartman and Lovitz came in and Jan Hooks. Right. Yeah. But then they also had like Robert Downey Jr. and Anthony Michael Hall and yeah. Joan Cusack and Randy Quaid, you yeah. know, like that yeah. was a very weird year that, that's as well. Be outside of 1980, the weirdest SNL collective cast. <laughs> Cause Eddie Murphy was, I think, featured in 80. You had yeah. like Denny Dillon, Gilbert Gottfried. Charles Rocket. Charles Rocket. <laughs> like it's such a bizarre. But that, then that was the season. That was the Gene Dumanian period, yes. right? And then Dick Ebersol came in for that year, mm-hmm. uh, where all the ringers came in. And then yeah. Lauren came back and brought in his young cast, which included some people who were already working in Hollywood, like mm-hmm. Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. And they ended that season with a fire. Yeah. And you didn't know who was going to escape and be in the next season, except for Lovitz. The one guy who grabs is Lovitz. That's right. Fire. Yeah. So maybe yeah. Hartman didn't join that year. Maybe he joined the following year then. He may have been featured. I know that um I think Nora Dunn was featured in that season and maybe maybe Jan Hooks. Yeah. There's very few people but they but they brought over like the featured people and then then the next year was Carvey and that was that was the rena- that, that is a show I, obviously we're going to talk about that a fair amount, but that's right. a show that has that is almost like 15 different shows over the course of its 40 plus years constantly reinventing itself right. according to who are the who is the cast and who are the writers at the time and you know what's the cultural sensibility and yeah how much are they parroting stuff in the news you mm-hmm. know that kind of like goes in waves according to what's happening and right, that, right now that, it's a lot do you think that is just what Lorne michaels mind uh where he wants to take it or do you think it's he picks his head writer and they are the ones that drive it. I think direction. they're probably a big fa- – I, I, I think at this point, Lorne is pretty uh, on autopilot yeah. <laughs> in terms of <laughs> – Guy's been doing it for a long time. Yeah. I think he has veto power over anything they may choose right. to do. You know, From what I understand from people who have worked on the show at this point, you know, he's basically – he'll just you know hover over people and be like, mm, we did that in 85. You know, we're like <laughs> – <laughs> whatever. Uh, but I, I think the head writers have a fair amount of autonomy in terms of where, what direction the, the show goes in. But yeah, so th- those are definitely my influences. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, uh, started doing improv in college, uh, and then eventually made my way to Chicago, uh, and worked for the second city. And I was there in the nineties, uh, overlapping with a lot of people who have then gone on to be on and create some of the shows that we're going to talk about today. So, uh, 
Yeah, at the time that I was in Chicago doing sketch comedy, the UCB, the Upright Citizens Brigade, were working out the sketches that would eventually be on their Comedy Central show. So mm-hmm. a lot of those sketches they used the first season, I saw them do live on oh, stage, wow. or or even I saw them improvise them eventually to write <laughs> some where, of those scenes. Where were scenes. they at that time? Were they at? Um, they would do shows at IO. They, yeah, they were a uh, Chicago or, group. Yeah, they were they Chicago group. They all York. moved to New York in '95 to start right. their own thing. Uh, and then uh, I also did a show. Uh, I there was a, a terrible, ostensibly improvised show called Quick Wits. Yes, K W I K W I T Z. That was syndicated, and they used a lot of Chicago talent. Mm-hmm. And I was hired to do an episode of Quick Wits. Uh, I was actually filling in for Scott Adsit, uh, who had just been hired to do a sketch comedy show for Barry Levinson that never materialized. And then he stayed in L.A. and eventually ended up on the cast of Mr. Show, right. another show that we're going to talk about. So yeah. I was hired to do Quick Wits with Tina Fey. And then she got hired for a show called SNL and also had, <laughs> did, was not able to do that episode yeah. of Quick Wits. So who <laughs> did the episode of Quick Wits with you? It was me and Rachel Hamilton were hey, partners. Uh, on the, and, we, and we won. She's awesome. Of course you won. <laughs> with, our, with our fake improv that we had all been pre-written. Oh, my Weeks, God. weeks ahead of time. Oh yeah. So yeah, that, it like was a sports a, movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the lamest sports movie of all time. Yeah. All right, here's your scripts. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious what we want to set as as criteria. Because mm-hmm. I, I know I've similar to you. I was I certainly I love the Muppets, Monty Python. My dad was 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 pawning FCTV <laughs> on me when I was six years old. I was mm. too young, but when I came to it. In like the 12 to 14 age, when it started being syndicated again, <laughs> then I fell in love with it, SNL. Uh, and then in the early 90s, there was sort of a renaissance of sketch again when you had stuff like The State and yes. um, The Idiot Box coming out on yeah. TV. Like that, every generation, which means like 10 years or so, there's a new sort of outgrowing of sketch. People who were raised on everything that came before and then add their voice to the conversation. Mm-hmm. So I, it, Looking through all of it, one of the things that that makes sense to me as a criteria is that it's there is even if it's of its time that there's a timelessness to it. Yes, I think that's a great funny, call. Still funny now. Yeah, I agree. One thing I was doing this week also in rewatching some of these shows is I really tried as much as possible to watch an entire episode. Right. Because you, here's the nature of sketch comedy, which is you remember sketches, but you don't necessarily remember the ebb and flow of watching an entire episode. And sketch comedy by its nature is very hit and miss. And it is very ephemeral. And there are sketches that are, that, existed in that week and never worked again even if they worked that time a lot of them didn't work at the time you know so it is interesting to watch even these shows that you remember fondly and watch an entire episode and seeing where the hits and misses are uh you you can't just go and watch your single favorite sketches because you could cherry pick your favorite sketches from any of these shows and pit those against each other but i i think we're really talking about like watching an entire episode of this sh- of this show and what that is like and comparing that to to other things right rather and also when we're talking about Monty Python we're talking about Monty Python's flying circus not right. the entirety of their output right because it's not best sketch comedy group in which case they would definitely win right <laughs> i think of course when you factor in the movies yes absolutely and i think that that <clears throat> especially for a show like Monty Python or Mr. Show and and upright citizens brigade also generally that 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 had a th- a narrative through line 
that either connected all the mm-hmm. sketches or for UCB there might be a story. You know, it was a you were watching a Harold play. Out. UCB is a filmed Harold, basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, let's while we're talking about this, let's stick on structure for a minute. You're a guy that's directed a lot of sketch shows. Um, and so that is an important part of it, like the way that you connect them and, uh, and how that, how that all goes. I remember, uh, Mike Ross, uh, who was a director and teacher at Second City long ago saying the first things you got to do, you got your first two sketches. You have to show them that, uh, they're in good hands by showing them that you have energy and that you're smart. Mm-hmm. It's like, and it doesn't matter which order you put those two sketches in. You have to put them at ease. And that has to be, uh, the first thing that you do is, I'm smart and I have energy, so relax. Yeah. Um, how do you approach structuring a sketch show? It depends on the size of your ensemble, first yeah. of all. Like the Second City tradition is usually an ensemble of six or seven people. Right. Uh, and Bernie's, there's a book by Bernie Sollins, who was the producer of Second City for many years. Originally, he was the business guy, but in the mm-hmm. 70s, he started actually like directing shows. He kind of moved from the, uh, I did not from know b- that. That's behind great. the cash register. <laughs> uh, I got this guy. <laughs> but he kind of set a, a formula that Second City still adheres to somewhat to this day, but then you can mm-hmm. break the, the pattern, which is always beginning with three blackouts. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is like short, punchy yeah. sketches, you know, that usually end in a minute or less. Mm-hmm. Uh, then, you know, usually some kind of intro, somebody comes out as themselves, introduces the show, explains to the audience what they're going to see. Then usually like a two person relationship scene and then like a group scene of like, but slow things down a little bit. Yeah. Man. There's something about seeing the whole cast early on. Like you want to introduce the audience of like, here's all the people you're going to be meeting. Mm -hmm. You want to start with people playing things that are fairly close to themselves, I think. So you kind of want to introduce the audience to who you are as individuals first before you then break that pattern and seeing them doing bigger characters Mm -hmm. uh, and crazier premises. Uh, That's why like a two-person relationship scene early on is something you kind of like give the show some grounding and, but, you know, obviously not everything is going to be in the second city style. Right. But I think regardless of what you're, if, if you're more absurdist or whatever, you'd want to introduce that concept to the audience right mm-hmm. away. But I, I think I like Mike's philosophy there of like, you, you need to let the audience know that, you know, we're in charge here. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. the, this is how it's going to go. And this is who we are. Um, so with that in mind, um, if the if covering an entire episode is a thing that we want to do, who are standouts in that regard? Um, just uh, let me throw in there. I think this may be an interesting way to to approach it if we want to figure out what the criteria are, and eventually names and groups and people are going to start popping up over yes. and over and over again. I mean, I the there are a lot of shows that came to mind, but Kids in the Hall is one mm-hmm. for sure. That you get to know, you know them pretty quickly, and they also. I, I just think it's so brilliantly constructed. I can't remember. I think I've seen pretty much every episode of the show, and I can't remember a bad one. Mm-hmm. Um, they do, in in longer memory, kind of meld into one another, but in a good way. You know, you're going to get a really strong monologue from somebody. Uh, there's going to be a, a really bizarre film. Piece. They they mix yeah. filmed and live action, uh, live audience stuff really well. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Scott Thompson in particular would be, uh, like his monologues were sure. great. And there'd always be little pieces of them as themselves too, like talking directly to the camera. So yeah. a little, little meta breaking sure. the fourth wall stuff. Bruce with too. his, um, with his bike. Yeah. With his bike seat. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Yeah, the uh, best theme song too. I think "Shadowy Men on a Shadowy Planet," yes. uh, just like that surf rock stuff, like going underneath the whole show. I, I really, really was brought it together in a cool way. Yes. I also, when I talk about uh, playing cross gender, mm-hmm. uh, you know, "Kids in the Hall" were about twenty years after Monty Python, roughly. I, I think, and. Money. I, I think this is a detriment to Monty Python when we start talking about that. Is that the way mm-hmm. they played women? On the right. Show, sure. You know. Oh, the kids in the hall. Women were as believable as any male character. I think so. Like, yeah. You know, they're still played a little draggy, a little bit of you know high pitched voice, but there's always the sense that they have an inner life and that they're a real person, right? You know, as opposed to being a caricature uh, of a woman. The so point I, of it wasn't that they were <clears throat> dressed up like a woman. The scene required a woman. And that's their their group was uh, five dudes. So. Yeah, and b- both examples are point out the problem. Sure, the problem with sketch comedy in general, which is a, a severe lack of representation. Yes, which we're aware mm-hmm. of, and you know these are there won't be a the winner that comes out of this, whatever it is, won't be the perfect showing as it will. They're they're going to inevitably be some pro- There's going to be something problematic about every single show. Yeah, that we right. Out. And you, it's probably going to be dude heavy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, unless we go straight, with straight white dudes. Unless we go with SNL, which has a, a you know, usually, uh, heavily skewed in favor of the men, but th- a lot of the greatest cast members are women on, on that show. Right. Uh, I think as good as the state were, a 10 to 1 ratio <laughs> does not look good. Yeah. Right. In, uh, in hindsight for them. Yeah. You know, uh, Key and Peele, uh, Chappelle, you know, have representation in a different way, mm-hmm. you know, which is good, you know, representing an African-American viewpoint, but uh, obviously more dudes. Yeah. <laughs> Can we talk about Chappelle for a second? I think that's probably one of the most brilliant television shows of all time. And, <clears throat> and since stop. we're – yeah. Structurally, it's it was an absolutely uh, fantastic thing. I don't know if it, how new it was, but with his um, – because Chappelle – came from stand-up and went into this sketch world that he would have his stand-up moments and throw to his own sketches. Yeah. Um, yes. But anyway, continue. I didn't mean to interrupt. I was going to say what, what's what's great about that show is that it makes you uncomfortable watching it, mm-hmm. uh, especially if you're white, which I think is a good thing. You should be challenged and feel mm-hmm. uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. The the thing that, that makes me sad about it is it was only two seasons long. Yeah. So we mm-hmm. never got – I don't, I don't know mm-hmm. that we saw even what it, what it might have become – even though it's not like it was, it's not like it felt like he was just trying to get get it together. He figured it right. out right away. He came in, he spoke his piece, and he pieced out. Yeah, his <laughs> voice, his voice came in on fire for two seasons, and then he was done. Yeah, that's, and he, yeah, he that's... got tired of it. I wanted to rewatch an episode this week and couldn't find. Uh, they're not available on Comedy Central in their entirety, so just I kind the of individual sketches. Yeah, I kind of. I, I mostly just watched the Charlie Murphy uh, uh, Hollywood <laughs> stories, which are I mean uh, irresistible. Yeah. You know, the the Prince story is, <laughs> but I. So I I, I missed uh, actually getting the, the flow of a whole one, but uh, yeah, Black Bush. Uh, remember is predates. The anger translator yeah. uh, on Key and Peele, uh, and I, I'd forgotten like to a degree. It kind of covers the same thing, <laughs> you right. know, yeah. covers the same issue from a different angle, which is like if George W. Bush was a black guy, but with his entire biography exactly the way it is, <laughs> this is what he'd sound like, and this is what he'd talk about, you know. <laughs> oh my god, so smart! That and the uh, the the blind 
Black, Bl- uh, blind Klansman. Yeah, he's the Klansman. Yeah. The KKK. When he takes his hood off, the Klansman's heads explode. <laughs> yeah. Um, you mentioned Key and Peel before. That's another great. It's and it's in the same. I mean, I guess that's that's what we needed after Chappelle decided to peace out was yeah. Key and Peel doing basically the same structure of show. Um, and their voice being, uh, like how you'd mentioned before we were talking about this, their voice being completely different than Dave Chappelle's voice in yeah. sort of that, the same, the uh, show put together the same way. Yeah. But God, I just think those guys are so funny. To me, they are, they find, what I love about Key and Peel is, uh, they find the things, and I guess you could say this about so many great sketch shows is, they find the things that I personally find funny that I would never think to point out to someone else because I don't know if anyone else thinks they're funny. Right. They dared to do that yes. constantly. Yeah. And they're like fire and ice too. You know, yeah. like Keegan is the energy guy, yeah. you know, uh, Jordan is, is just stone cold cool, yeah. you know, <laughs> but they both have a really good character range, yeah. you know, fantastic actors. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, and then I, I also really like the way that that show is structured. And then you really got, you got to see them when they're talking to the audience. They're, they're improvising all that stuff that, you know, and they may have decided like what kind of bits we're doing, but you know, you really see them improvising and they're, yeah. they're incredible improvisers. They have such a rhythm with each other. And so you really get to know them as people. And then you go to the sketch where there's sometimes they're almost unrecognizable in character. Yeah. You know, yes. so you really get the, the best of both worlds. I kind of like the last season too, when they dispense with the audience interaction and change it to the conversation in a car, which is a parody of true detective. <laughs> uh, it's, it's such a weird thing. I think Key and Peele will actually outlast the first season of true detective. Like, I don't think yeah. that's going to be in the cultural conversation as long as Key and Peele really, really will be. So I yeah. think kids 20 years from now are going to watch that season and be like, what is this? this is weird. Because <laughs> you know? remember they redid the Reggie Watts theme song yeah. in the style of true detective for the yeah. opening credits. <laughs> it's, it's so smart. Well, it's, that points out another great thing about that show is that they that they were masters the of playing with genre. Oh yeah, yeah. that's very much the writers, <laughs> the performers, but also how it was shot and directed. Yeah. And an important like, an, an important thing in uh, one of our criteria uh, could easily be genres. How do you handle uh, genre work? Yeah, I think you gotta give credit to Peter Atencio, the director, yeah. uh, because they did so many genre parodies that were just spot on. I was rewatching that scene, uh, where Keegan's yelling, no, and things blow up. <laughs> <laughs> like, he didn't, he didn't blow up because there's a bomb in the yeah. car. Jordan doesn't blow up. He blows yeah. up because Keegan yells, no. <laughs> and then he yells, no, a bird drops from the sky. Uh, cops show up like, what's going on here? No, cops let's. <laughs> But they did a lot of like near silent scenes too, mm-hmm. uh, or, or, uh, or like very noise. The noise scene is another one yeah. where it's just like there's only one line of dialogue in the whole scene, <laughs> yeah. you know? And, but then that heightening, that basic like UCB style heightening could be attributed to Ian Roberts, who was, uh, the, the showrunner, right. uh, on it. But I always like that scenes like never followed a, a template that you could predict. Like they mm-hmm. always, they always heightened. But in strange ways, yeah. you know, yes. so I like the left turns that that show would take as far as modern shows. I, I, I think it's my favorite of this century. Key and Peele. Yeah. Since, since the millennium turned, I think it's probably up there for me. Yeah. In this, yeah. well, you mentioned before the, that every generation <laughs> has their sketch shows <laughs> and that's one of the big ones of this generation yeah. right now of what's 
of what's happening. It's, it's is it strong, timeless? It's a strong contender. It's for a strong me. contender. I know it much better than I do Chappelle. Right. Uh, I right. only watch Chappelle sporadically, so I, I have to admit to that bias there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that we. You remember stuff from from, and it's not like we're picking one over the other. I think you remember there are definitely things from Chappelle you remember. I think that what what will make Key and Peele live on mm-hmm. is probably the East West Bowl. That is that is got to be. It's an all timer. It's an all timer. One of the greatest sketches of all time. And now <laughs> yeah. that sketch is perfectly timeless. Yep. Uh, that will never. The name to Glester Hardunkin Shud <laughs> will never not be funny to me. <laughs> I mean, come. Hingle McCrangleberry. <laughs> yeah. And those characters come back. Yes, yeah. they do. They did a sequel. And didn't they do like a Super Bowl they shuffle? They did a Super Bowl <laughs> shuffle parody. Yeah. With the one white guy from BYU. Was it Dan, Dan Smith? Dan Smith. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Just, yeah. That's brilliant. Um. So but like, but funny names are funny, but then also it just perfectly captures that awkward feeling of the players introducing themselves at the beginning yes, of a game. Yeah, yes. You know, uh, that's the I, genre work. I remember showing that scene to Carla and she didn't get it at all. You know, she got that the names were funny, <laughs> yeah. but it's all, and then just the variety and it's just <laughs> Keegan and Jordan, yeah. but Trading. every character is completely different yes. in their look and in their delivery. You know, it's, they get infinite possibility out of the same joke over and oh. over, which is what it's so brilliant to about it mouse yeah. cop mouse cop yeah the player formerly <laughs> the known, player as, mouse formerly known, known as, mouse as mouse cop that's right sequester Gl- grundleplith md <laughs> square is green jr uh, <laughs> we could just sit here yeah. and recall all of these names yeah uh, jack marius tactheratrix <laughs> uh but i think mr show for me in terms of structure yes. has the most elegant structure Dude, of, but of any show more so than monty python pioneering that style I, I realize that Monty Python did it first. Right. You know, uh, I was talking with Carla this morning and, uh, I guess Eric Idol was recently on Mark Marin. I got to listen to that. Yeah. He's episode. got a book he's promoting. Right oh, now. does he? Oh, cool. Uh, so, uh, Mr. Idol, if you'd like to come on our show, <laughs> we're available. We're available. All right. <laughs> Back to Mr. <laughs> Mr. Kukowski. Uh, but, uh, uh, I guess Idol was saying that Terry Gilliam was a big, factor in how the things would link together not mm-hmm. only in his interstitial uh animation but just that he had ideas for sure uh for what way to to put the scenes together scenes in a thematic this, way it's a painting yeah because all those guys yeah. wrote separately idol wrote by himself uh palin and jones wrote together and mm-hmm. cleese and chapman wrote together and then gilliam did his own thing you know mm-hmm. so they're all kind of working in isolation but then kind of bringing it together into one cohesive whole uh, and I imagine that Mr. Show had a similar thing where they had all the sketches first and then figure of like, okay, how do we link all these things right. together? And they did it incredibly elegantly. Yes. Uh, every episode. They, they also would start a show with a thesis. So there was mm-hmm. always a through line. You could track a through line yeah. to the entire show. With Monty Python, it was just, how, what's a clever way we can go from right. one bit to the other? Sometimes things would pay off top yes. to bottom, but often it was just, what is the, we, we don't. It, it almost felt like we don't like writing endings, so mm-hmm. we're not going to end it. I'm going to shoot you with a gun, and then we're going to go to a funeral. Not for something right. completely different. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Monty Python is more absurdist and chaotic in general. That's just their mm-hmm. their sensibility, which in a way is why they they still are funny to this day because there's stuff that just exists out of time because it's so crazy weird. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Hundred percent. 
Uh, and Mr. Show had some fairly absurdist stuff too, mm-hmm. but nearly everything is grounded in something, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking that the one that keeps popping into my head is the, the joke episode with Senator Tanker Bell at mm-hmm. the beginning. Right. Um, and every sketch in that is perfectly seamless and leads to the crescendo to that, that joke being an entire musical at the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. And with one of the funniest, like, little buttons at the end, uh, by Bob Odenkirk in an insane cost. Like, it is, it's exactly that, that thing that you mentioned of where you can thread everything together, um, as opposed to this Python. Um, but yeah, I do, I do like them connecting. That's why, it, that's why I think it was, I thought it was funny when you mentioned, the first one we were talking about structure, you were like, oh, kids in the hall. Because that is – you're thinking more like the arc of how they would put a, a yeah, sketch just the structure of what sketches the go order where of, and yes, – right. order of order. But there's of a events. difference between the order of the sketches and the through line of a thing. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, then if you like through lines – I think SCTV is kind of a standard bear it, there. That is, yeah. It, it's one of the few sketch shows, and some of these have a memory. They do bring things back, but this is like you're you could watch a season where an entire story. You have the entire story of Johnny Larue, yeah, and his helicopter shot uh, for or, or his crane shot for Polynesia Town. Like this show, it's a show within a show. Within a show sometimes. There's a right? lot of layers to it. Yeah. And sometimes the storyline is something very subtle that you have to pick up, yes. you know, that's going on in, in the sketches. It's also very elegantly written. Mm-hmm. SCTV to me, uh, top to bottom, the best cast. I, yes, I, I think for sure. Uh, in terms of just like the average. <laughs> quality of a cast member you know yeah. snl has more bigger stars but then also a lot of forgettable people right. uh over the years as oh you well. mentioned several of them that i was like i do not know who that is <laughs> johnny rockets was in there <laughs> yeah johnny rockets the burger guy i mm-hmm. uh, my apologies to mr rocket uh this might be also a fun sub discussion today mm-hmm. is single best sketch comedy actor uh, Ooh. and this isn't necessarily like who's the funniest. This is just mm. to me. And it was something I kept noticing this week of like, who's, who's acting do I really respond to? Oh, interesting. And yeah. like Jordan Peele Keen is Peele one of them. Up there, yeah. Bob Odenkirk yeah. is, is one of them. Uh, watching, rewatching UCB of like Ian Roberts is one of the best straight men there are. Mm, like he's yes. so deadpan serious of like even scary at times. There's no winking to the audience at all. But my single favorite sketch comedy actor of all time is John Candy. I, I think he's, he's one of the great, just, yeah, comedy actors. Just such a good actor. I feel like even, you know, we remember him being kind of big, but I feel like there's never any winking going on. Like he is totally committed to who he is. He's Mm -hmm. got a, a pretty great range, but you always just see his own charisma and, and, vulnerability there you know i think he's my favorite uh but Catherine o'hara would be up there too uh dave thomas who you've had on this show and rick moranis and their their Mm -hmm. impressions you know eugene levy like it's 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 my favorite cast yeah i think i think my only my only problem with sctv i agree with you about the cast of it being pretty perfect um and it is structured elegantly. I was never a huge, uh, huge SCTV fan. I enjoyed it, but I always felt like when I would watch individual sketches from it, it felt, it felt like you needed to know too much. You needed to have done too much homework going into individual sketches and episodes. Now, if it, had, if I watched it like I watched a sitcom, then I would think this sitcom is the most amazing sketch show I've ever seen. Yeah. 
It's you interesting. I mean? Like when I watched it, I remember when it first came on, uh, it came on on a Saturday night, mm-hmm. like on a week that SNL was off. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think they were already running on a Friday nights because it replaced the midnight special on Friday nights on mm-hmm. NBC. <laughs> and so I probably watched SEC for the first time when I was 12 or 13. I'm like, what is this? This isn't SNL. Yeah. But it, it, it seems like in a similar vein, but I, I kind of fell for it right away. Also, for some reason, they showed the music video for uh, Tom Tom Club's Genius of Love, which was another like thing <laughs> that I, I I really associate those two things together. Right yeah. for some reason. And if you know that music video, it's this weird animated thing. It's such a cool song, too. Uh, so I, I discovered those things on the same night. Um, but yes, but I, as a kid, didn't even understand the references then and yeah. liked it as comedy, mm-hmm. even not knowing what they were referencing. And they were referencing a lot of fairly obscure, even at the time, <laughs> uh, showbiz stuff. Right. Uh, I think, yes, yeah, some stuff is dependent on the reference and some, some stuff is just funny regardless. Right. One thing I was watching this morning was they did a, a parody of uh, it was an episode where they had Robin Williams was a guest star, mm-hmm. and it was the Bowery Boys in the band, which is meshing together the Bowery Boys, who which I don't only have a vague idea of what they were. They were like some like they were in like serialized shorts from the forties, maybe. Yeah. Like they were like these tough talking guys, and then the boys in the band, of course, is the uh, you know the the gay themed play from the late sixties. So right. You had like all these like very stereotypical queens yeah. interacting with these tough talking Bowery Boys, <laughs> and they did a lot of like mashups mm-hmm. like that uh and i thought it was funny even really having the vaguest idea of what the reference points were yeah but i i think it, it is somewhat dated in in that regard well i don't mean the i don't mean the reference homework as to things outside of the show i mean the characters that they played so many oh, yeah. recurring characters on that show sure that every time i would floyd robertson on, and exactly. lloyd camembert and um, johnny larue yeah. and i felt like i needed to know all those characters backstories i needed to have done homework on sctv itself i, I think you before can, jumping in I, I i think you can get dropped into the world and right. get a sense of who everybody is and then appreciate it as you go on and i have appreciated it more as i've grown up i just think that was like this is, you know, you say your formative years in sketch when you do this are, yes, you know, sure. when you're a kid. And I think I was maybe 11 when I first mm. uh, saw SCTV and had the same thought of this is an SNL. <laughs> I should go back and watch an SNL VHS. I mean, to me, that that's an argument for how ornate its mythology is. Yeah. You know? no, 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 no. I'm not saying yeah. it's a bad thing. But it's, it's not begin by saying it. Was. It's not the easiest to just jump right. in. Right. Yes. And it is it another thing positive for it. Uh, is that it works in layers. You know, when I'm 13 years old and watching the Cruisin' Gourmet and I don't know what Cruisin' is, mm-hmm. it's still funny to me <laughs> because this guy's got a turkey and chains and then he's, and they play like hard rock music whenever he, whenever he fists the stuffing in. And then when I learn what the movie is, I realize, okay, they're, they're playing with the media at the time. Right. Which Rick Moranis did his audio games, uh, sketch, which was right around the time the Atari had hit is, is brilliant because oh all the games are just, you just, just listen, listen and to move him. your head around. <laughs> There's no play aspect to it at all. Um, sorry, go ahead. Oh, there was one sketch that I, I think it's Rick Moranis is Michael McDonald from the time that Michael McDonald was singing backup on every song that was on the top 40 <laughs> at the time. And it's just Rick Moranis uh, as Michael McDonald in the booth just like singing backup on every song. <laughs> um, who do you think uh, handles cultural uh, cultural satire? 
Like your SCTV is rising to the top in this one. Saturday Night Live has to obviously because they're doing it in the moment. In yeah, they've been doing it in real time on a network for forty plus years. Chappelle and Key and Peele. Chappelle and Key and Peele always did. Monty Python too. They poked a lot of fun at the class system of mm-hmm. of the UK of Great Britain and how stuffy English people were at you know everything from what the working class was <laughs> to things like upper class twit of the year where they're. They obviously were having a go at at uh, what society was at that time, right? Yeah, I think that's important. That it's not merely silly, mm-hmm. you know that that it has some sort of cultural impact. Yeah, I think to talk about SNL in that area is both a positive and a, a detriment because I think, especially now, they cover it in a very cursory way. Right. And it's such a. It's like. SNL in general in this conversation, it feels like it is too big a juggernaut to technically be the best one. Yeah. You know what I mean? There is, there is so, so much of it. Though I feel we should probably put it in the finals out of respect. Out of respect (laughs) for the juggernaut that it is. But it's also like best cola, I guess coca. Yeah. Who sold the most burgers? Yeah. I guess it's McDonald's, <laughs> yeah, right? right. You, know, uh, you and I have worked on uh, Drunk History, which has yeah. been up for Best Sketch Comedy Show and lost to SNL the last two years. Yeah. And it, like, it, it does have like that feeling of inevitability of like, well, you know, I guess it's <laughs> SNL. Yeah. You know? uh, but the political and social stuff they're doing almost just kind of feels like playing the hits from the previous week and of like, yeah. and especially in an era where like memes, you know, take place within 15 minutes of something happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there's so little original points to make and it's hard to actually hit something satirically hard. Right. And they don't even really try no. on that show anymore. However, well, if you're, if you're doing it for advertisers and your advertisers are in a country bitterly divided, your advertisers cover the whole country. It's, yeah. it's also really difficult. This administration, not even – Satirizes itself. It satirizes mm-hmm. itself. It's, everything is so outrageous that to try to heighten it doesn't work. And they did try – they did try in 2016 and 2017 and it didn't work. Right. It's better to just let it play. You, you kind of have to point it out and bring people's attention to it mm-hmm. and maybe a little of what's weird about it. But you're, it's it's a very difficult task that I think they've gotten better at. Yeah, there are but, just so many voices. Like it's yeah. easier for Trevor Noah to yes. to uh, get a take on the day because it's one voice giving a take. It's right. not – There's a too many cooks thing which waters right. it down – I that think. said, there are some even there are currently and throughout history some of the most epic sketch performers. Probably all of Mount Rush, all of the sketch Mount Rushmore has been on that show, and or most of it. I mean, here's an argument in favor of SNL, which is as a young sketch comedy performer growing up in America, mm-hmm. do you want to be in Monty Python? You can't be in Monty Python, right? Yeah. <laughs> do you want to be a kid in the hall of like the, that's already set? Yeah. We know who we know who they are. Do you want to be on SNL? Hell yeah! yeah. <laughs> that, like, that carrot has created a lot of great sketch groups. Yes, yeah, that's true. I mean, why did UCB move to New York? <laughs> yeah, so, uh, and then eventually it, w- it worked out for Amy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. She she got on the show, and she's another all time one mm-hmm. of the greatest. Because I, I w- the things I like, like Chris Kattan is a performer. I didn't connect with his characters, but I thought his straight man work was really really good and mm-hmm. kind of is underrated because you think when you think of him you think of like. Mr. Peepers. That's yes. the thing you think of, which was like 
funny or mango, mm-hmm. but he like the ability to play that range, which Amy Poehler does brilliantly. She, yeah, it's the ones that are just really good actors. Right. And Poehler's a really good actor. Yeah, I think from the era, uh, from when Amy and Tina and Dratch uh, and Maya Rudolph and... Uh, when the women took over the show When the women took over the show, ago. and I feel like and ever since... not let go. Ever since then, it's, yeah. it's been a woman's show. And yeah. they are all killing it on there. Uh, and I think Kate McKinnon at this point may be an all-time top five on that show. I think yeah. she's that good. Yeah. You know, and I think... Uh, AD Bryant and uh, Cecily Strong are, are almost equally good. You know, so good. There's, a, there's a lot of Leslie talent. Jones, a lot of yeah. talent still on the show, and, yeah. and that needs to be respected. But I, let's put the juggernaut in the finals, and we maybe yeah. hash yeah. it out uh, compared sure. to what with whatever we, how about whatever this? else we pick. SNL gets a bye to the finals just <laughs> mm-hmm. just because it's been 43 years and it's still going, and people are still watching it and talking about it. Yeah. No, no other show has that legacy. Absolutely, and. and and also, also in terms of political stuff, like no other show has ever had that forum to actually affect yeah. the national discussion. Yeah. Uh, on, on politics. 100%. You know, to the degree of maybe reelecting George W. Bush because Will Ferrell made him look so charismatic. <laughs> you know? yeah. We still wanted to have that bite of the finals. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, here's what we'll do. We'll take a quick break so you can hear uh, about some of the other great shows on the Max Fun Network, uh, including and I, I don't even know if this is the ad this week, but I want to talk about it. Our buddy Janet Varney, the JV Club. That's now, right. The JV Club is now part of the family. Of the Max Fun Amazing. Family. Yeah. Welcome, uh, Welcome Janet. We love you. When we come back, let's see if we can pull four more finalists mm. and then eliminate SNL Ooh, and choose wow. from those four. How's that sound? <laughs> Fantastic. Great. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Rachel McElroy. Hello, this is Griffin McElroy. And this is wonderful. It's a podcast that we do as uh, we ma- we are married. And how's the ad going so far? Because I think it's going very good. <laughs> we talk about things we like every week on Wednesdays. One time Rachel talked about pumpernickel bread. It was so tight. You cannot afford to miss her talking about this sweet brown bread. We also talk about music and poems and, you know, weather. There is one... Weather? <laughs> one time Rachel talked about Baby Beluga, the song, for like 14 minutes. And it just really blew my hair back. <laughs> so check us out on MaximumFun.org It's a cool podcast with chill vibes Amber is the color of our energy Is what all the iTunes reviews say <laughs> They will now Hey, it's Jana Varney of the JV Club Podcast And I am so excited to be joining Maximum Fun If you're not yet familiar with the JV Club It's a podcast with me and some of my favorite women And in the summer, men as we explore the highs and lows of our terrible teenage years into our adult lessons. For example, hear about Allison Bree's humiliating moment at a gymnastics competition, experience the shame of a knocked-out tooth with Jamila Jamil, or drop in as John Hamm imagines what would happen if Bambi met Godzilla. So join me and all my once-awkward, often-still-awkward friends every Thursday by subscribing to the JV Club on MaximumFun.org. We're back. Okay, we're going to choose four <laughs> finalists. I have a proposition. Yes. Yeah. Um, because I really, I don't know why this keeps sticking in my head, the idea that every decade or so there's a generation of uh, of sketch shows. Why don't we pick our four finalists from the several generations? We've already got our late 70s into the early 80s one, and that's Saturday Night Live. Um, 
So let's look at the 1980s. You've got SCTV. What other sketch shows? Fridays. Got to talk about Fridays. (laughs) Huge, huge Fridays. Brought us Larry David and Michael Richards. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. And Andy Kaufman. Andy Andy Kaufman doing some meta bits there. Um, There's some good videos of Devo on Fridays, which I watch uh, more, way more often than I should on, <laughs> on YouTube. <laughs> it was, was it on, it was on SNL that they did Satisfaction, right? Or did they do it also on Fridays? I think they did it on, I think they did it, played it on both shows. Yeah. yeah. I love, that's my, my favorite. Their I mean, version of Satisfaction. Best cover song of all time. It's up there. I think it's, that one's hard. That one'd be hard to beat. But <laughs> so really Fridays good. is in the Pantheon. Fridays is in the Pantheon. Because of Devo um, alone. There, yeah. There are two big shows that we haven't talked about at all. One of them is Mad TV, mm-hmm. which, Suffers from not being Mad Magazine. Like yeah. I thought it would be what I watched. Right. It. Started in 95. Started in 95 right. and then finished in 2005. I think it had I a 10 so, year yeah. run. Mm-hmm. A lot of super talented people on there, including Key and Peele. Key and Peele. Like Baron, like Baron Holtz. Stephanie Weir. Yeah. Stephanie Weir. Uh, Mo Collins. Mo Collins. Will Sasso, super talented. Phil Lamar was in the Phil original Lamar, cast there. Yeah. That's right. Uh, just like the, the, Deborah Wilson, like just tons of super talented people. Mm-hmm. It was never, it was never SNL, but I don't think it was ever supposed to be. It was for, it felt like it was for a different audience. They're going for a different demographic. Yeah. Uh, I think they had more of a racially diverse cast before, uh, SNL, before did, SNL did, yeah. certainly yes. before SNL did. Yes. Uh, they had a fair amount of women on the writing staff as well. And I think it was uh, about an equal gender mix as well. Yeah. Uh, I think they went to the well on some of their characters way too many times. Right. Stuart, I'm looking at you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Again, another brilliant actor. Mm-hmm. I think Michael McDonald's great. That's so n- not my favorite character. Sure. <laughs> right. Sure. Fully sure. admit to. Now, Rick Moranis as that Michael McDonald doing Stuart. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Talking about meta. <laughs> Layers. You remember that sketch where he went into the studio to just go, <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah. I, I always felt I had a lot of friends who were working for Mad TV, especially when I first moved mm-hmm. to L.A. Uh, Rich Tallarico and Tammy Sager were on the writing staff. And then, yeah, Ike and Josh Myers and then uh, Keegan and Jordan and Stephanie were all on the show. So mm-hmm. I, I went and visited a few times. Uh, I always felt like they had higher highs and lower lows than SNL. Yes. Yeah, interesting. And, and they swung for the fences more then. That's good. They did. And they were doing some more like pre-taped bits before SNL was doing more digital shorts. And some mm-hmm. of those pre Pre-taped stuff, uh, I think, worked pretty well. Yeah. Um, there's a really great bit with Stephanie where it's like a, a, a home video thing where they're trying to blow something up. And every time they think they're hitting record, they're hitting stop. And every time they think they're hitting stop, they're hitting record. So you're, o- you're only getting the stuff right, that's behind between. the scenes of this, of this family gradually blowing up uh, pieces of their body, like trying to do this stunt. Uh, it's, it's brilliant. But I felt like some of their live studio stuff with some of the big characters was kind of playing to the room t- too much for my taste. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's a little, too it may old. work in a, it may work better as a stage sketch show. Yeah. If you are, if you're feeling a warm room and that crowd is with you, but maybe it doesn't translate as well. And is the other monolithic one you're thinking of in living, living color? hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. And that again, checks a lot of, uh, like great cast. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, great cast in terms of like what they went on to do, you yeah. know, Jamie Foxx and David Allen Greer and, and Jim Carrey. JLo. Oh yeah. Jim Carrey was all right. <laughs> the, the, yeah. Some yeah. kid named Jim Carrey. Yeah. But uh, the whole, uh, the, the cast was really good. Tommy Davidson also in that cast. Yeah. And um, every Wayans. And every, yeah. every, David Allen Greer. 
I was actually thinking about this. Uh, when was the last time we saw Keenan Ivory Wayans in something? Like he just doesn't act anymore, no, does he? He just writes and directs. Yeah. I thought he was so good. He was mostly too. the producer of that anyway, though, right? Like yeah. he yeah. acted in it and he was very good in it as an actor. He was a really funny performer. But I feel like his mind was always probably by necessity more on run because he ran that show. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And it was more about Damon. Right. Oh, it was kind of the, Damon the doing star Wayans. Yeah. Uh, but I also love Keenan Ivory Wayans as the villain in, uh, Hollywood Shuffle is, uh, he's so good <laughs> yes. too. Oh my goodness. And I'm going to get you sucker. Yeah. Is an underrated film, right. like a just comedy gem. <laughs> yeah. I feel like in loving, in living color is absolutely groundbreaking, mm-hmm. you know, and it was like time for a shot in the arm for sketch comedy and it was time for representation. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's there's some stuff like the the gay stereotypes that do not. Men on film, I don't sure, know. Do I don't know that up. they held up at the time. No. Yeah. you know. Yes, handyman also doesn't stand up. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. That stuff. Handyman's rough. And those were a bit, but like you still have Fire Marshal Bill. Uh, yeah. Homie the clown. Homie the clown. Homie don't play that. Homie don't play. <laughs> I mean, that. it did feel there did feel like a lot of punching down on that show. Um, a homeless guy. Uh, this old box. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it was at a time where, and it, here's another show that won't go to the finals, but I like a lot is the mm-hmm. Tracy Ullman show. Uh-huh. Yes. Which was also on Fox around the same time, going mm-hmm. for a completely different demographic, completely right. different vibe. But it's also, and, and when you also factor in Married with Children, a sitcom, uh, that Fox was the fledgling network and didn't give an F yeah. <laughs> as to like what they put on the air. And so In Living Color could really take risks. And mm-hmm. this is where comedy was in 1990. You know, yeah. like it doesn't hold up right now, but this is cutting edge. So it loses its best timelessness points. I think so. Um, yeah, but it does, but it for its timeliness in terms of importance in its moment. Absolutely. If you want to talk about timeliness, and you're, I know you're breaking this into era. Mm-hmm. You travel all the way back to something like your show of shows. That's, I mean, if we're that, going, if we're going earlier than, I feel like SNL is kind of where we started. Right. Um, or, or with a little python, but well, we got I, Carol Burnett. We've I think got, Carol Burnett is something that needs to get Carol Burnett too. When uh, I first thought of uh, bringing her up when we were talking about the genre stuff, because nobody did genres like Carol Burnett, Vicki Lawrence, Harvey Corman, and Tim Conway trying to make each other laugh. Yeah. Just yeah. doing. That's four people. Like, yeah. Four in the pantheon. And you, you, everybody can name something from the show they love. I don't know if everybody would have the same thought I did, which is the which is the Gone with the Wind. Gone with the Wind is the amazing. Curtain rod, absolutely. Yeah. I yeah. saw it in the window, and I just had to have it. Yeah. <laughs> Next to SNL, Carol Burnett has probably been the most watched sketch show of all time because it was in prime yeah. time for ten years, yeah. I believe, from like sixty. 7 to 77 or something like that. And it was one of the biggest shows on on TV yeah. and everybody watched it every week. I went to go hear her speak once and she was saying that yeah, she had, she couldn't believe it would never happen now. She's like I couldn't believe I got a platform that big. Yeah. And the network was just like, do whatever you want. As long yeah. as you don't don't swear or say anything <laughs> mean about our advertisers and they just goofed off. Yeah. For te- for a decade, they just goofed off for a decade, pure and joy. everyone loved it. It's pure joy. Yeah, I was surprised to learn that Tim Conway actually wasn't a regular cast member until much later into the show's run. He was a periodic guest star, really. But that's how memorable he was, yeah. and he added this improvisational 
chaotic element to it. And just, just trying to make Harvey Corman laugh. Trying to make Harvey Corman laugh was the only it's, thing this guy wanted <laughs> yeah. in life. And it is so infectious <laughs> to watch Tim Conway try to make Harvey Corman laugh. I rewatched that outtake of Tim Conway telling the elephant story on that Mama's episode. You know, do you know this? It's, I don't know this episode. It's an outtake. Uh, for, from, a, from a mama sketch, mm-hmm. uh, and Tim Conway is improvising this bit and not letting Carol Burnett talk. And every time she's about to deliver her line, he will add a little more <laughs> to this bit. And because they taped two in a night, they, sh- the outtakes shows both shows too. Mm-hmm. Like you see the one where he messes with her a little bit. And then you see the second one where he goes even further with it. It's very easy to find. Actually, I found that both Carol Burnett and Laughin have their own official YouTube channels oh. where you can watch oh, clips wow. from, from oh, both great. shows. Oh, that know? is fantastic. So you can't watch entire episodes, but you can watch yeah. pl- plenty of clips from both shows. Carol Burnett is definitely of an era where the sketches would play 10 or 15 minutes, like yeah. an entire, uh, that's like 50 second city style. Very much, because yeah. when the Second City started in 1959, like sketches would go 20 minutes yeah, long. Like, right. I'm thinking the the Barbara Harrison, Alan, Alan Arkin, Arkin uh, museum sketch yeah, is is yeah. a is a classic. Yeah, yeah. and it's so just it's just 20 minutes of two people talking. It's almost coming from a Broadway tradition, and mm-hmm. from the very early days of TV. I I don't. I really can't claim to know your show of shows or Texaco Star Theater or whatever, but right. I imagine of like that sketches played out. Like little one act plays. Yeah. So it's on, all on comes from vaudeville. So yes. yeah, your show of shows seemed longer. the clips that I've seen of your show of shows are all very vaudevillian. <laughs> um, but it's also where Carol Burnett started was on your show of shows. And it also proved that uh didn't she start on the Gary Moore show? She's or she she gained prominence playing um smaller parts on your right. show of shows, she, yeah. That that show is notable for proving that sketch that that style worked in a television format. Yeah. But I wouldn't say it's the best. Carol Burnett, I would put in the finals 100%. Yeah. I think I would too. Just yeah. To, yeah. out of respect for its legacy and also just that it's got a different vibe to the point when, when SNL premiered in 75, that was one of their reference points of like, we're not Carol Burnett. Yeah. You know, because they were the rock and roll rebel hippie acid dropping generation mm-hmm. and Carol Burnett's was their parents show. Yeah. But, uh, I was but actually, Carol Burnett is really good. And like the era of Amy and Tina when they came on SNL were very influenced by Carol Burnett because this is what we grew up watching in the seventies right. and eighties. You know, it was something you watched with your parents and it was one of your first introductions to sketch comedy. So I think she actually proved more influential to a later generation of women than to the, the people who started, uh, SNL, uh, who were deliberately trying not to replicate her vibe. Right. Yeah. You know? I'm sorry, I got distracted for a second because mm-hmm. you got me thinking during that period. We were talking about Amy Poehler. There was the sketch she did where she was pregnant. I think Josh Brolin was hosting. Mm. That's all silent, where they're at a bar, Brilliant. and she's and you find out that she's pregnant, which she was very mm-hmm. pregnant at the time. <laughs> but one of the reactions of the bar is Keenan Thompson as the bartender. And it would be hard to – he's he's so good. Keenan Thompson just mugging. He's so – yes. It's one of the greatest joys of that show. Yeah. Yeah. His straight man stuff. When it just goes to him and he just goes – he just goes like yeah. uh, Marty Feldman eyes for yeah. a second. It's so good. 
Now, um, what about some of those kids sketch shows? Like you can't do that on television. Yeah. And what's the one that Keenan came All from? All that. Yeah. Well, the one that I remember yeah. as from a child, from, from my childhood was, uh, you can't do that on television because yeah. that was the early eighties Canadian show. Yes. Brought us, uh, Alanis Morissette. Sure. Yes. Weird. Uh, there's a left turn for you of every one of these shows are like, this sketch show brought you this person and this person and this person. <laughs> like this one brought you jagged little pill. <laughs> Ironic. Uh, oh, don't you think? (laughs) Um, but I loved that show. It was, I mean, you want to talk about going to the well. That's all they did. That show was just, it's either the firing squad from slime came from that. That's true. And water. Yeah. The Nick, the Nickelodeon slime, um, uh, motif that they've used (laughs) ever since. But you're, yeah, came from that. It is, it does feel like a six variety show. You always went to, yeah, you always went to either the, uh, either the firing squad or them in their lockers. It was all jokes. It was just arcade. Yeah. It was, we just put vaudeville jokes (laughs) into play. It does feel like uh, a TV executive was like, Hey, you know, what's real funny is, uh, jokes. Uh, what a bunch of places that kids go. Uh, they go to their lockers. Okay. They go to the arcade. Okay. Do some vaudeville jokes in those. Hey, they ever go to firing squads? Like, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Kids ever in front of a firing squad or in a dungeon? They had a dungeon and a firing squad. And then all the other places that kids always go. I mean, variety shows were so prevalent on TV in the seventies too. Yeah. You know, so I definitely yeah. grew up watching like Donnie and Marie and Captain and Tennille and mm-hmm. Suddy and Cher, like all had their own shows and the Muppet show was kind of in that tradition. And, uh, <sighs> Laughin was kind of like, here's like the sixties, like short attention span, mm-hmm. you know, chopping up the variety show into little bits. But then that template all through the seventies remained kind of constant. It felt like then you can't do that on television was kind of like, and now here's the kids version right. of that template. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then all that was the children's version of SNL. A lot of, again, a lot of very talented. Yeah. Amanda Bynes came show. off of there. Um, Keenan and Kel. Keenan and Kel. Who else came off that show? Everybody. Yeah. Just anybody you could think. Let's not even name another person because I don't <laughs> um, want to embarrass everybody with how many people I can remember outside of those. But did they have a – they didn't have a barth. You can't yeah, do that on television had a barth. They didn't have two adults. <laughs> to I heard that. that was kind of a brilliant move. Yeah. I don't know their names. Forgive me to those two actors. Yeah. But that – man, you want to talk dream jobs. Like you're the only two grownups on this insane kids sketch show. People getting slimed. Yep. There's Sh- Short hours because yeah, the kids have to sh- – Exactly. <laughs> Come on. That sounds like such a blast. And because I'm too old to really know you can't do that on television, it was mm-hmm. one of those things I kind of zapped through, you know, like sure, flipping channels right. of like, I'd watch enough to be like, oh yeah, that thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, oddly enough, the electric company is, is kind of formative for me for sketch comedy. Sure. And yeah. you learned a little bit too. Yeah. But did. there were actors on there who came from Second City as, as who well. Who came from Second City? There's Judy Grabart, uh, oh. who was the, uh, the brunette uh-huh. on the show was a Second yeah. City alum from the, right. the 60s. And of course, Morgan, Morgan Freeman, Freeman was yeah. on the show, but Rita Moreno. Yeah. In a in a sneaky way, that was a kind of a sketch comedy influence on me, a Trojan horse. I yeah. never, really, never really thought of. Yeah. Um, so, so we so just looking at because we do need to start to uh, craft our thing. Uh, looking look uh, craft our uh, our challengers to the throne that SNL has perched itself atop uh, at the beginning of this. Right. Uh, we've looked in the past uh, to and we've pulled from that Carol Burnett, Monty Python. I assume Python has to be in the finals. Yeah, 100%. Python and Carol Burnett for pre SNL things. Are we fair on that? Sounds good. Yeah. Um, then Saturday Night Live, and then since then in the eighties we had SCTV, in the nineties we had Mr. Kids, Show, Mr. Yeah. Show, and, and in the Hall. Kids in the Hall in Living Color. 
Um, who do we pull out of the 90s? <laughs> Let me suggest this. Okay. Let's start with a few more and we'll eliminate them. Okay. We can do it round robin like we always do, and then Craig will be stuck at the end. Craig listens to the show, you know. Yeah. Great. You know what it would be. Or we can we can also figure or it to out create together. Or to create our final four. Yeah. I I, I think this is what makes sense to be as final. Shout out, by the way. I wanted to yeah. – in the 90s, I didn't mention two of my favorites that came out around the same time on Comedy Central. Exit 57. Exit 57, Exit 57. and The Vacant Lot. Oh, I don't know yeah. The Vacant, vacant lot. lot. was great. What is it? They did uh, the song Slept on His Arms last night. <laughs> Uh, they did, uh, who was in it? It was, I don't even remember the guys that were in it. It was wow. just one that I watched as a kid and they did a sketch that was, um, a bunch of burglars sitting around playing cards. <laughs> and one of them is just kind of humming under his breath, the song blinded by the light, but he doesn't know the second line of the song. And then it's just a bunch of, uh, burglars sitting around arguing about what the second line of blinded by the light <laughs> is like, it was just these insane wrapped up like a deuce. Uh, or, yeah. or- uh, ripped yeah. up like a douche you're gonna yeah, throw yeah. away tonight was one of theirs. <laughs> but it felt very much like a, like a kid brother to kids in the hall was kind of their vibe. One thing I did notice rewatching a bunch of shows this week is that your optimum years for performing sketch comedy on television are like 25 to 32. Yeah. Like, right. practically everybody is in that age range and then it's like, and then you put away childish things and then <laughs> move on to other things. But it feels like that's when you have the energy to be a sketch yeah. performer. There's yeah. some exceptions to that, but like, Monty Python were all in their late twenties or so. Yeah. The kids in the hall were about that age. You yeah. Know, that's usually about when you get hired for SNL. Yeah. <laughs> you know, State were even younger because they came right out of, uh, right out of NYU and yes. did that show. Yeah. But you know, they were, they were slightly younger. UCB were in their late twenties. You know, it's, it's interesting. Like that's the age. Yeah. And then you don't do sketch ever again. <laughs> the end. Guys, let's start a sketch group. Yeah. Yeah. Exit um, 57, I remember well because that was another, uh, outflux of people from Chicago. Was, and it was a great was cast. That Steve was Steve Carell, Steve Colbert, Paul Danello, and Amy Sedaris. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wait. Carell was not on it. It was Colbert, Colbert Danello, Colbert, Amy yeah. Sedaris, who had all worked together a lot on the main stage of Second and, City. And, uh, Mitch Rouse. Mitch Rouse and Jody yes. Lennon. Yeah. And then it was directed by Mick Napier. Yeah. I mean, Mick Napier, one of the all time great sketch comedy directors. We're, yeah. we're also forgetting something else. That I'm going to mention now, which is the Dana Carvey show, which didn't last long. Head of its that time. That is a murderer's row of writers and performers. Yeah. And a lot of really smart stuff. I, but I, it, there's no way it would possibly win. It just never. Right. Watch the documentary about the making of the Dana yes. Carvey show. I need to see it, this. It's on Hulu and it's brilliant and it'll, it has interviews with most of the cast. Mm-hmm. Uh, that did have Carell and Colbert. Also, my friend Bill Cott was on it. Yeah. Uh, John Glazer was a writer on it and Louis C.K., Charlie Kaufman. Uh, However, if you, as I did yesterday, watch the pilot of the Dana Carvey show and watch the infamous sketch where uh, Bill Clinton has multiple nipples and is suckling puppies. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and then you'll also see that about seven minutes of that pilot are devoted to bits about the current Republican primaries, including references to Pat Buchanan, Steve Forbes, uh, Bob Dole, and everybody who was running. And it, to say that it doesn't hold up and that it, that it has no timelessness is putting it mildly. Yes. Yeah. But there's also great bits like uh, uh, Lost Beetle Memories, mm-hmm. uh, uh, which is, is so good. Uh, Dana Carvey and Paul McCartney will always be funny. But yeah, that's... <laughs> Uh, I think watch the documentary and you'll see clips of the best sketches there. You, you don't need to actually watch uh, the episode. Yeah. 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 I just wanted to mention it. Fair enough. For so, influence. Um, yeah. yeah. So we got, so into the nineties um, and then the early two thousands, we have um, Key and Peele. Key and Peele. UCB. UCB. UCB came out in the early two thousands. Uh, that, that was where you got groups like 
Human Giant came out of then. We haven't talked yeah. that. We haven't even talked about the British groups. Are we just making this Best American Sketch Show? Well, it's well. We also have of, we have Python. There's in a there. lot of great British sketch comedy, but Monty Python. It's hard to beat Monty Python. Right. It is very hard. Benny Hill, come on. Oh my god. <laughs> but like the Mighty Boosh, hilarious. Like yeah, you know, lots of hilarious. Little Britain. What's the one that Little Simon Pegg? That was what was well space, but that's a sitcom. That's a sitcom. There was a no. He had a short-lived did sketch he? show. Oh, did he? All I remember was uh, their Acker introduced me to it. I wish I could remember the name of it. Uh, the very first sketch I ever saw. It's um, two people in passing uh, on a street, um, and uh, the woman's car's broken down. He's on a bike, and she says, um, "Sorry, do you know where I can find a petrol station?" And he goes, "Oh, terribly sorry, I don't speak English," and just kept going. And that was how this show was introduced to me. I was like, "Okay, what am I watching now?" It was there that absurd like. Play, playful language. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the, the final form of that sketch is, is on Kids in the Hall, though, where they fully, it's like whatever he says, like, I, the only words I know are the ones I'm saying to you right now. As for the I proper d- syntax <laughs> and understanding, I haven't a clue. It just gets deeper and deeper into how he doesn't know English. Yeah. Uh, Dave Fuller would be up there with my favorite sketch comedy actors as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and Citizen Kane would be one of my top 10 sketches, I think, oh, if we were God. covering that. One big detriment from rewatching some British shows like Little Britain and Fry and Laurie this week is laugh track. I gotta say, yeah. like all those yeah. BBC shows have constant laugh track, which feels mm-hmm. so phony. Tremendous acting on there too. There's also a, a, a current running through British sketch comedy, probably dating back to Monty Python, of like that a dude in drag is inherently hilarious. You know, I mean, and I'm sure it, it goes back to that. Milton Berle. Yeah. Yes, and Earl, I'm sure I can't blame it, it on the Brits, go, yeah. but it goes back to yeah. Shakespeare for, <laughs> for goodness sake. Well, we can blame it on the Brits. <laughs> Who knows? It goes back to the Carthaginians. <laughs> yeah, but but that's the kind of stuff that holds up the least well, I, yeah. I think. And we're rewatching any of this stuff, and just about every. British show I watched had something uh, yeah. along yeah. those lines, you know, yeah. of gender confusion. The League of Gentlemen is a cool show too. Did you ever watch that? I never watched yes, it. It's it. three guys who play all the characters basically, and it has a good structural conceit, which is all the characters live in this weird small town in North, you know, uh, England, uh, <laughs> and it's just creepy little town populated by creeps. And Mark Gatiss, uh, uh, creator of the Sherlock and uh, uh, I do love showrunner for Doctor Who, right? Mm-hmm. And and uh, he he's uh, Mycroft on Sherlock as well. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, is one of the guys on League of Gentlemen. So that that's a cool show to watch. Yeah. All do right. we have? Okay, I'm going to read a list. I've just kind of been putting this as ones have popped into popped into the forefront in our minds. Tell me what I'm missing, and then we will round robin style. Okay. To the end. How's that? Go ahead. Um, I've got Monty Python, The Carol Burnett Show, SCTV, SNL, Mr. Show, Key and Peel. What am I missing? I know I'm missing. Did I you miss- say Kids in the Hall? Kids in the Kids Hall. Kids in the Hall yeah. should be a contender. Yeah. I think any of the ones that I would put in the finals is on that list. I would agree with that. But you're a bigger Chappelle fan than I am. I should do that- like Chappelle. I think it's just such a gut punch and so funny and so memorable mm-hmm. for how short it is. That's the issue. That ultimately would be what what takes it uh, what would take it out for me is that it was only two seasons. I feel, I feel like you so go ahead. Key and Peele took that legacy and built on it a, a and bit. They may, I feel like they made more of a sketch show out of it. When I think Dave Chappelle, I think stand up or voice or viewpoint. It's just him. It's it is, and I think Key and Peele, I think sketch show. 
Hmm. Yeah, even though it's to the two of them, they do right. Two, yeah, they do a lot, a lot of two-person sketches, who, but yes, there are yeah, a lot of people involved. Definitely a lot of other people who are in it, but as far as the cast, right? It's Keegan Michael Key and Jordan Peele. Yes, the Chappelle Show. True. There were cast members, but mm-hmm. Charlie Murphy was a writer. Mm-hmm. They had to tell, come and tell. The stories are so crazy. They were like, let's put it on television. Yeah, which is brilliant. Brilliantly put together, but it does feel like a one. Even Carol Burnett is four people. Mm-hmm. That's four. It's a four-person sketch show. So yeah, to right. me, it feels more. I, yeah, I would say mm-hmm. Key and Peele. Key and Peele felt more like a. Tri- I, I would pick Key and Peele. Not that I have to choose between the two right. of them, but that that. But was they the were they were felt. they were clearly like in the same lineage the very, of one another. Yeah, they're, they took there was a linear path from one to the other. Even even in their specific format, yeah, they're very similar to one another. I'll throw uh, out Portlandia and Amy Schumer's too that we just should name check yes. as uh, as sure. shows from the last ten years that are important and mm-hmm. influential but it, won't make the finals. I yeah, Inside Amy Schumer is brilliant. Absolutely, and again another one that makes you uncomfortable, which is mm-hmm. good. If good comedy makes you uncomfortable, but is funny, it makes you realize something about yourself that a perception that you should change. Right, like oh, there she does have a lot of, and uh, Chappelle had a lot of. Oh yeah, yeah, I do. Cringy oh, in a dang. in a good like yeah. makes you think way stuff. Yeah, and definitely a voice that hadn't really been on TV before. Mm-hmm. So I would put I would way. put her Twelve Angry Men episode up there yes. as one of the best ones mm-hmm. that's been done in a while, which oh was a, a standalone parody of Twelve Angry Men, which was immaculately done. And I liked her uh, Woman on the Street interviews too because I really feel like. She's talking to random people in the street, but she, you really see like her personality and she puts them at ease right yeah. away. And yeah. she's like, she's kind of cracking uncomfortable jokes, but she's so warm and inviting that they seem to be in on the joke rather than being taken advantage of. Right. So I, I like those bits. Yes. It seems like she is more the heir of Chappelle, Chappelle yeah. than yes. Key and Peele are. For, for um, sure. As far as like, as, as far as, but I think that also similar is similar format. And, and it's also a little detrimental, um, f- to me in that it is, it feels like, and the ones that are one person, you know what I mean? Like, you want to see a whole ensemble. I want to, I, yeah. I, I feel like a big important part of a <clears throat> sketch show is the ensemble of it. Yeah. Yeah. Portlandia also brilliant. Yeah. But two people doing most of everything. And it, well, it feels, ni- it almost feels niche. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's very niche. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Though I think they're not just satirizing the city of Portland. Uh, they're kind of satirizing liberal attitudes, yes. you know, uh, and the, those hipster areas exist in every city, sure. you know. Yeah. Every, every, everywhere has that bookstore. Cincinnati and Indianapolis have hipster areas too. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. not, it's not a West Coast thing, you know, like, <laughs> um, there's, a, there's elitist hipsters everywhere. Always just look for the place that's selling vinyl records and you'll be in the hip area Absolutely. of any, any town. No, I'll, always look for the place that's somehow selling wooden records. <laughs> like, how do you even make these? <laughs> Portlandia kind of moved away from shorter sketches and into like more longer standalone episodes. And I, mm-hmm. I don't think those hold up as well mm-hmm. as when they were working in a short. When it's just format. the two of them doing, they're just bidding back and forth. It's right? improv. I think they, they're working off of premises, yeah. but most of the dialogue is improvised on that show. It's and very so, Funny. As as an improv fan, like I get a credit to that. Like it's not as tightly written as some other stuff, but you get a a spontane- spontaneity and a danger that some of the other shows don't have. Yeah. Do we want to shout out any other shows before we choose between our final seven? Hmm. I know there are going to be. There's a million be- that we're missing, and there's yeah. so many great. At us yeah. with what we missed. Yes. Yeah. Tell us. Oh, oh, Baroness von Sketch. I want to shout out Baroness von Sketch. Okay. They're another one. I've heard it's does. good. It's it a Canadian Canadian ladies. It's, it's right? a it's a all female Canadian cast. Um, they are 
they do that thing that I love where it's just those little moments. Like so many of their sketches are just these brilliant little, why didn't I think of that? Mm-hmm. Um, like I'll give you two tiny examples. Uh, you see a woman running on a treadmill and then it pulls back and there is a treadmill behind her and there is a, uh, like psycho killer with a knife <laughs> also running on a treadmill. That's the whole sketch. Uh, a woman walks through the makeup counter at the mall and sees a little mirror, goes and looks at herself in the mirror. In the mirror, she has a mustache <laughs> and her reaction is, huh. And then just keeps walking on. And that's the entirety of the sketch. Like there are so many brilliant little, they're, they're so good for their, for their blackouts. I'll check it out. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's their, their sketches are great. Their blackouts are perfect. That sounds fantastic. Um, any other shout outs that we want to give? I do want to just say that I mentioned Tracy Ullman briefly, but I think that original run on Fox, uh, I, her character range is incredible. Yeah. And it was another thing that played out yeah. in kind of Carol Burnett style, long sketches. And then the, uh, the teenage girl or the little girl with the two gay dads actually was something that handled, uh, gay issues in a non-condescending and a very humane mm-hmm. and loving way. From what I remember, maybe, you know, were the parents played by Dan Castellaneta and Sam McMurray? And Sam McMurray. Yeah. yeah. Dan Castellaneta was her dad, I think, and Sam McMurray was his boyfriend. Right. You know, uh, and I think there was a lot of heart and humanity yeah. to that show. Well, you can't overlook the heart and humanity that came out of that show, The Simpsons. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, that's where Julie Kavner and Castellaneta were already working on the show, you know. Let uh, me ask. So it's important for that, but yeah, yeah not a finalist. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you this. Uh, we mentioned it before. We mentioned it at the top. We have not, um, we have not walked across this particular bridge yet. Uh, are the Muppets a sketch show? They will be the five, they will be the eighth and last I will add to this if they are. Because I nope. would put them, in that, nope. yeah. The they're their own show. thing. They are, yeah. It's a variety show. Yeah. They are, they're how more, dare you call them just a variety show? They transcend solid. everything. <laughs> And all things. They're, they're, they're the most muppetational show of all time. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'd also right. say they're the most sensational also. Of the, yeah. yeah. Sure. I don't know. The, the, the Coliseum, they used to throw people to lions. That's pretty sensational. <laughs> um, all right. Here are our finalists. Let's eliminate them one by one. Hal, figure out the best way to do this rotation wise okay. while I'm reading off this list. Monty Python, the Carol Burnett show, uh, Monty Python's Flying Circus, the Carol Burnett show, SCTV, SNL, Mr. Show, Key and Peel, and the Kids in the Hall. Eliminate SNL, right? No, no, no. I was, uh, no, I mean, and we can collect. Oh, we collectively can eliminate SNL. Yeah. Do you think there's something that beats <sighs> SNL in there? It's so hard to. It really I, is like picking a cola other than Coca. Yeah, it feels like our consensus is we as sketch comedy <laughs> connoisseurs, yeah, don't want to give this one to SNL. You know, and I, I tend to agree with that sentiment. Yeah. I mean, it's also like we were saying before. It's it doesn't some, need us it's saying a it's the of best. Different shows. Yeah. Pick a five year run, and it's different than than the five years. before. And we've already done. Uh, we've already done. Second. We've already begun to chip away at the SNL cast at members. the F- SNL um, uh, run that we could do. We could do a month of episodes on that particular show. Yes, but I don't. Yeah, I don't think it's the best. Sketch show of all time. And this week, I watched Mr. Show episodes. I watched mm-hmm. Monty Python episodes. I can't imagine going back and watching a random SNL episode like in its entirety fans. from yeah. 1990 or whatever. You watch sketches, yeah. you know, your favorite sketches, and and that's it. They don't even put the shows out in their entirety because they know they don't hold up. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah, they want you to just watch the highlights. 
And even the Belushi Aykroyd years, like there was a lot of dogs. And I have that. I have. I bought as soon as it came out. I bought Mm -hmm. that DVD of the first season, and there are some clunkers in there. But there's some. I mean, there's some all timers. All timers. Yeah, the pilot's almost unwatchable though. Even though the first sketch is is fun. Yeah, Wolverine. Yeah, yeah, it's the English lesson lesson where uh, Mike uh, Michael O'Donoghue and and Belushi. yeah. 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 Michael O'Donoghue, one of the great, strange, loud voices back on that show. So, yeah, we respect SNL. Yeah. Um, we're no longer trying to get on the show. We've passed that, uh, We've passed that, <laughs> that time in our lives. Never heard back on that writer's packet from <laughs> years ago. Dead to me. I, w- I will say this. A friend of ours from Thrilling Adventure Hour, who I won't name, uh, saw me in an improv show a couple of years ago and then afterwards was like, that was really funny. Did you ever think about trying to get on SNL? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I'm like, huh, really? Uh, that's odd because, yeah, you know, now that I think about it, like, they are, like, they do, like, sketch comedy. I do come from, like, yeah. kind of that background. That's weird. Man, maybe I should have. <laughs> Did I ever think of that? Is that an option for me? Oh, my God. Um, all right. Also, I have uh, family members that have worked on the show, so I need to recu- recuse myself. That's anyway. true. Yes. So that's fair. Yes. You, I mean, you, the, and also the nominations with Drunk History. Gotta recuse myself. Yeah. But and Drunk, is history, Drunk History? I was just gonna, say, I was gonna say that earlier. I don't think it is. I don't think it's a sketch show. It no, it is. If, if it is, it's the same sketch show. Yeah, it's yeah. the same sketch show. We are in that category for the yeah. Emmys because you gotta put us in But it's something. variety sketch, yeah. right? Variety sketch. Right. Is show. it variety slash sketch or is it variety? There's, there's variety slash talk and variety slash sketch. So there's a slash. I'm just happy to be nominated, man. <laughs> That's the brilliance of Derek Waters. That's as right. Long as I've, I've known him for probably 17, yeah. 16, 17 years. He, every, every bit of comedy he's ever done that I've seen has been different. Like you can't quite put it in a bucket. Yeah. And it's just like a, you could hear an idea. You could hear five ideas. You'd be able to pick out which one is Derek's. Yeah, of course. Sure. Um, yeah, right. so my sister wrote on the show, my brother-in-law directed the digital shorts for a while, so I need to recuse myself. It's ineligible. Right. It's ineligible. Right. ineligible. So on a technicality, we don't have to boot it from the thing. Please read Hal's uh, writing packet. Yeah, that's right. Um, all right, so we have so – we're still, we're still eligible to be cast yeah. members. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> um, we have Monty Python's Flying Circus, The Carol Burnett Show, SCTV, Mr. Show, Key and Peel, Kids in the Hall – uh, how are we going to do this? You know what we do, Craig. How are we going to do, do this so that it ends with you making? You want to end on decisions? me? So yeah. it go, it's two on me, three, four, five. Six. So, so I go first. You eliminate down to five, down to four, down to two. Man, well, let's start it and see what happens. All right. Okay. Great. Uh, all right. I'll start. Yeah. I'm going to eliminate Key and Peel. Mm. I'm going to eliminate mm-hmm. it. Uh. Because you're mad about us not picking Chappelle. Now, Keegan told me I'd be on the show. <laughs> no, uh, I it, it no, it's not. It has something to do with Chappelle. It's I I almost think Key and Peele benefited from the YouTube era. Yeah, taking nothing away from how it, it is brilliant. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Even if even if there'd never been a way to share it, but they benefited from the YouTube era. Like you have to wonder how some of these other shows would have would have blown up and become cultural phenomenon because I think Keen Peel is a cultural like full blown cultural phenomenon in a way that Mr. Show and mm-hmm. Kids in the Hall. They're more I think those are more I'm a comedy nerd, so I know those shows really well. Mm-hmm. I think they benefited from the YouTube era in that regard. I think it helped 
it helped make them it helped turn a lot more people on to how great that show is. People were watching Luther and uh, Substitute Teacher and East West Bowl yes. more so than the entire episodes. Yeah, I, I think it's something worth remembering talking about uh, digital shorts like the, when Lazy Sunday premiered, it went on YouTube pirated. Because yeah. NBC did not have a – YouTube was new at the time. NBC was not trying to put their digital shorts online. Right. The whole game has changed now. And Key and Peele were early yeah. adapters to the new reality of streaming yeah. and how to get people hooked on their show. So do so. you think that they were – that they benefited from it more than they waved a flag for it and helped usher it in? I think it makes uh, – to Craig's point, I think it makes individual pieces of the show mm-hmm. more memorable than episodes themselves. Right. Even though it's that's kind of an odd thing to say because the thing you remember about any show you love, you remember individual sketches. But I think that there are entire episodes of Mr. Show and entire episodes of Monty Python that I can look at as a whole and enjoy. Mm-hmm. Like I, there are episodes that stand out for me of those shows in particular. And that's that's why mm-hmm. I would eliminate it. Again, anything that made it this far is already an A+. plus. yeah. Right, they're the best shows. Right, these are all the best shows here. So that's the one I would eliminate. Um, Okay, I think it's to me now. Okay, so I took it down to five. Right, take it down to four. You took it down to five. You took it down to four. You'll take it to three. You'll take take it to two, and I'll make great. We did it. Okay, great. All right. Thank goodness you're here, Craig. I know. (laughs) I think, out of respect, uh, I'm going to eliminate Carol Burnett just because it's of an older era. I think if I want to pick something pre-SNL, I would more likely pick Python over Carol Burnett just because it's more groundbreaking. Carol Burnett is just older school and I want to pick something that had more, uh, more cultural impact in a revolutionary way. I mm-hmm. think. Okay. And I think all the other shows qualify more. Um, all right. I am going to uh I'm going to eliminate this is tough. I'm looking at um I'm I'm going to eliminate the kids in the hall because oh, wow. I think the kids in the hall I mean the like you said these are all A pluses. This is I mean of all the topics we've done it is this is something that we all care deeply about but this is, you know, we've got to do it. Um I'm going to eliminate the kids in the hall because um while I think they created amazing characters and they did this amazing amazing thing um with the humanity of the buddy cole monologues and uh how he was of that time um i miss a little bit of there's something about sketch that i feel like i need a little bit of that i need a little parody i need a little genre i need a little uh cultural satire political you know what i mean i need i need more of that so i'm eliminating it for that reason we're now down to Monty Python, SCTV, and Mr. Show. I'm eliminating Mr. Show. Ooh. Ouch. I'll tell you why. Uh, I th- Paul F. Tompkins. It's for Paul? <laughs> we didn't, can we talk about Mr. Show Tompkins. a little? We didn't really talk about it at all. Sure. We just you immediately it? passed it through to the finals. <laughs> it's, we it's, talked about the structure of it. It's perfect. It's got almost anything you could want. It's what's, what's interesting about it is that it started as a state, they were doing just a stage show. They were at the HBO workspace yeah. in Los Angeles and there were three shows there at the time. Mm-hmm. It was Mental Furniture, Mr. Show and Tenacious D were the right. three shows that were playing in this little black box theater in Hollywood. Mr. Show blew up first, put Jack Black from Tenacious D on Mr. Show, and then Bob Odenkirk lift elevated uh, Tenacious D to the uh, status that it got. 
Um, yeah, I love Mr. Show. I, do I too. just, it is, it is every, this is the one that when we were talking about perfect sketch, like the structure of it, that they are struck, their structural elegance is so perfect to me. I, I agree. I, again, these are all, these yeah. all are at 99%. Yeah, this is, by the these way, this is not discussing here. it at this point. This is a funeral. Yeah. It's, <laughs> we'll always remember, there are so many great, the entire pit, the first appearance of Pit Pat, that corporate, Cor- uh, the non-gender specific, uh, doughy corporate logo <laughs> figure. Yeah. And it I just becomes, that and and I love you. So you have that and then the, the commercials become less sensible and more profane. Just how many times <laughs> you can work out. And Ken will, uh, I think the first of the ads are for like the bag hutch. Like it holds oh, all these God. bags. Like the bag hutch will hold everything at the end of the year. Oh, no. <laughs> that, that of course is bleep, but I'm sure you can figure out what it was. Yeah. Uh, that, that, that starts, there's so many like different games that are happening mm-hmm. in any given scene. It's super smart, super layered. I just, for me, I think the other two mm. are just a hair better in terms of, mm-hmm. of their overall significance and how layered they are. And also <laughs> that they can be enjoyed at a number of different ages. I think you have to, just for the language and some of the content of Mr. Show, it's it re- yeah, it's very R-rated to yeah. really to really be into it, yeah, um, or to really be to be sensibly brought on board. So that's why I would eliminate it. A couple things I liked about it are that they highlighted their supporting cast, which kind of got bigger and bigger as mm-hmm. the show ran. You know, you've got Scott Ackerman, uh, Paul F. Tompkins, yeah. Jill Talley, John Ennis, Tom Kenny, yeah. Jerry Miner, Scott Adsitz, you know, uh, so many, Jay Johnston, so many great people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it got better as it went on. I think some of the most memorable sketches are from that final season. Oh, absolutely. Too. So I think they, they got better and better at, at their voice throughout. Mm-hmm. So I'm choosing between Monty Python and SCTV. Yeah. Do you agree, do you agree with that elimination I just made? Because I'll tell you what, if you want, I'll let you. We can. We'll allow you to switch one out. Wow! But you do you want to do you want to swap one out? Oh man! Oh, I love this. Oh man! So basically, we took our whole elimination thing and we were like, <laughs> no, no, no. Because here, here are the choices. Tell me what you think. <laughs> you can either choose between those two, okay, or you can swap one out and we'll do a one, two, three and see if we all say the same answer. <laughs> now it's interesting. Oh. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen you in agony like this before. This is tough. Yeah. Like, I I came here today almost uh wanting to pitch for Key and Peel as the best show of all time. Oh, yeah. Okay. But also but willing also being willing to be talked to SNL. Wow, you know, but once yeah. I, I took the temperature of the room, we were like, no, it can't be SNL. <laughs> <laughs> I was willing to be talked into it, you know, if that's where you guys were leaning. Uh I think you made good arguments uh against Key and Peel. And Kids in the Hall, I respect a lot too, but I, I really prefer Mr. Show, I think, to Monty Python or SCTV. Wow. Yeah. That was not I, the one I was hoping you would eliminate. Yeah. I was in between, it was between that and SCTV for me. I feel like I don't want to pick the all male cast of Python yeah. compared to Catherine O'Hare and Andrea Martin yeah. in yeah. SCTV. That's true. However, it's not as good as Mr. I Show. can name a lot more Python sketches than SCTV sketches. Yeah. I think SCTV, I think I have to say is the best cast uh, overall, as I said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so basically now your choice is 
Monty Python or Mr. Show. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, it's tough. It's really tough. I, 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 those of you who are proponents of Monty Python who would throw out Carol Cleveland, who was the honorary Python who sure. appears a woman, was mm-hmm. a, as brilliant as she was, great performer, was used feel, – I, I feel like she was used more as an object than as like getting to do a lot of like show range and do a lot of character stuff. So I don't think that that mm-hmm. – I don't think that that, that uh, makes the – yeah, that peg fit into the square hole. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, <laughs> all that you're said, the one that threw this out there, Hal. I know, I'm I pointing this. it out. I'm enjoying this. I think I got to go with Monty Python's Flying Circus. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I think I do. Yeah. Thinking about it, I wish they'd had more ladies <laughs> in yeah. the group. Yeah. Uh, but I think you have to put it in the context of the time and in terms of Mr. Show picking up on the, the template, mm-hmm. uh, that Monty Python set. And I think so many of the sketches are still timeless to this day. Uh, I mean, John Cleese is maybe a contender for the greatest sketch comedy actor yeah. as well as somebody mm-hmm. who played it totally straight. Yeah. Of those choices, I'm going to go with, uh, the Flying Circus. Of those choices. <laughs> of those choices. What kind of Pontius Pilate washing his hands yeah. of it is that? Are, do you, would you say right now you think Key and Peele is a better sketch show than Monty Python? <laughs> well, we can't go all the way back to that. You eliminated <laughs> Key and Peele first, huh? I'm just curious. I was, I was frankly surprised you eliminated Key and Peele as early as you did. I didn't. Mm. It's so hard to... I know. These are, that's the problem. These are... I feel like, you know what, Craig? We, we, we defer to you in this. And we, yeah. Why don't we, why don't we do majority rules? Okay. Ooh, okay. I can't believe that did, that, yeah, this is, oh, this is tough. All right. So wait, are we saying all the finalists are back at the table? We're each going to put in a vote? <laughs> Let's that- do a one, two, three and see what we say. Okay. If we really are picking with our hearts. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if we're really picking with our hearts, what we think is, yeah, the best sketch show of all time. <laughs> I'm sorry to be so waffly no, on this because this is so hard. The more I talk, the more other things. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. Let's do our, <laughs> the best sketch show of all time on three. It's all back on the table. That's what yeah. I'm saying. All right. One, two, three. <laughs> Mr. <SNL>. Show. <laughs> <laughs> that was two Saturday Night Lives and a Mr. Show. The winner is Saturday Night Live. Yeah. All right. It's got to be. We did it. It's got to be. The world. <laughs> yeah, I remembered it. I remembered. I remembered it. Uh, yeah, it's the greatest sketch show of all time. There's no other show that could last for as long as it did. It continually, like a phoenix rising from the ashes, reinvent itself every time. Every time an article about Saturday Night Dead comes out, and you can find one pretty much every five years, a year or two later it will be about how great Saturday Night Live is and how they've never been better. Mm-hmm. And it, the show is different things to different people. So depending on when you grew up, whatever your sweet spot is. So yours was – you came in on that superstar season. Piscopo. <laughs> Piscopo. I can't believe this ended the way it did. Give me Gary Kroger or give me nothing is what I say. Uh, it is, it's, you want to eliminate it because it doesn't seem, it's been so good and bad over the course of time. 
but the the manner in which it stood and continues to stand, the best is possibly yet to come. We don't even know. Mm-hmm. We don't even know. How <laughs> Season good it fifty can get. could really hit its stride. And yeah, yet where it finally does it. And again, all of these other shows are brilliant. You you can find most of them in most places. You should watch all of it. Get as many different sketch voices and comedy perspectives as possible. Things that challenge you. Things you didn't think you would otherwise like. Things that are snapshots, like the state. Of, of what it meant to be a young sort of hip person in the early 90s. Like those things are important. And uh, the, I think the, the one thing that stands out to me for this episode in particular is how important sketch comedy is as a reflection of whatever's happening in the mm-hmm. time that we're in. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah. Also, best ketchup, Heinz. Best ketchup, Heinz. <laughs> That's it. Asked and answered. Well, at least we can agree with our guest on that one. That's easy. We, we attacked such an extra one in there. Craig. Asked and answered. Yes. We did it. Craig, thank you for joining us. You have a podcast that is brilliant that I hope everybody who listens to ours also listens to called Craigslist. Yes, I watch my 100 favorite movies. I actually I make my wife Carla watch them as <laughs> well, Carla. and she has to talk about them. It's we're so great. We're getting into the top Carla's 20 quotes. now. Yeah, yeah. We as I've been shooting Drunk History, uh, we've had to take several weeks off. So hopefully we'll get back mm. into a weekly rhythm with that show. But we're getting down to the nitty gritty. Uh, there has never been a show that I've been so uh, I've anticipated so much what the topic of the episode is going to be. Yes. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, oh, I wonder what it's. It's always like, well, what what number are you on? Where what are you <laughs> yeah. doing this week? So what's uh, what's the next one on the list? The next one that we're about to put out is Goodfellas. Amazing. Uh, where is that on the list? Number twenty. 20- one. All right. And wow. then we have Amelie is coming up uh, after oh, that. Amelie just edges out uh, Goodfellas. Yeah, two very similar films, but uh, sure, sure. <laughs> they both had that a uh, lot of holes in the sand beach murder. Right. Yeah, one cracks open a creme brulee, one cracks open a head. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Same, same, same. Uh, well, thank you uh, for being here. That was today. a blast. This was really fun. Yeah. Uh, we knew you'd be the perfect, uh, the perfect person. And you're, you're at uh, Kukowski always. At always everywhere. He's forever. always at wherever Kakowski is. He is at Kakowski <laughs> constantly at Kakowski. Yeah, wherever you go, Kakowski is there. Um, <laughs> thank you, uh, thank you to Craig Kakowski, and thank you also to our musicians Jonathan Dinerstein and Mike Furman for our score and theme song, respectively. Producer Ken Plume, researcher Kate McManus, who did so much work last month on Harry Potter, Harry Potter scholar. You can see all that work on the Facebook group. Uh, you should check that out. Graphic designer Uri Kelman, QA engineer Jen Alba. This topic is closed. Now and forever. That's right. Change our minds. <laughs> uh, but if you have topics that you want us to cover that you haven't heard yet, email us at wegotthispodcast at gmail.com or go to the Facebook group. There's going to be a lot of discussion about this. Share clips from your favorite sketch shows. Let's let's start a community of sharing. That's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash wegotthispodcast. That's right. Post some of your favorite YouTube clips in there and um, and some of uh, also post some of the worst sketches you've ever seen in there. Sure. Because there we talked about there being some clunkers. That'd be fun to see, right? Yeah. More quiet than offensive. Yeah. Just to give you some guiding hands. Sure. Exactly. Thank you, Hal. Yes, you're welcome. <laughs> uh, and thank you to all of our listeners. This was a great, really fun topic. Uh, thanks to Alex uh, for for suggesting it. And um, thank you to all of you for listening. For Hal Lublin, I'm Mark Gagliardi. For Mark Gagliardi, I'm Hal Lublin. And don't worry, everybody. We got this. We got this. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.